Hello everyone, welcome back. What are we, number seven? Oh wow, number seven. And today's episode, by the title, you already know, it's going to be a little bit more serious, I guess, because it's mental health, you know, and mental health is serious. But I still want to keep it light and, and airy, you know. Um, But anyways, welcome. If you're still listening and you've been here through episode one, I just want to say thank you so much. Like always, I am so grateful for even if one single person listens and getting messages and saying how much you guys have enjoyed really warms my heart and just makes me feel like I am doing not just for me because I love this stuff and I have found a love for this kind of stuff, but it really just warms my heart and it makes me feel like I'm doing something good. But anyways, um, we're back feeling a lot better if you um, were on the last episode we were getting over COVID and it was a whole thing, but we're feeling way better. I have a lot more energy. I'm also excited because I'm going on vacation. So lots of good stuff, but um, same thing, you know the drill here. Sometimes you're going to hear the baby in the background because that's just the way we roll around here. It's how it is, but I'm filming or recording in the middle of him sleeping. And if you also already know, he's not a very good napper. So we'll see how far we get. I do want to try and keep it as focused and serious and don't and not have as many interruptions just because mental health. Um, I want to get into some topics and again, mental health is serious. So um, we'll, we'll just pl- again play by ear and see how it goes. But welcome back. And um, today's thought, random thought or not so much a thought, but maybe something I just wanted to share is because I saw it on my desk. But I bought a little, I saw somebody on TikTok post about it, and it's called the five-year memory book. And so you basically go in there and you write down like a, like what happened in the day. I think this is amazing. I love going through some of my old stuff and reading whatever, you know, happened that day or whatever I was feeling that day because then it's like, whoa. Like either I don't recognize that from me or that was so crazy. Um, And so I bought it, but I will admit I'm not very good at it. I think my last entry was January 27. That is so bad. And so it's been a month almost that I haven't written on it, but I'm trying to get back. I do want to fill some spots, some days that I missed that are significant and I want to keep them in memory. But you basically write a memory and it's five years worth of spaces for memories. Imagine going back five years. So I'm excited to see how busted this book starts to get as the years go by and I'm using it. I'm going to stick to it. I will get better. I missed a few days, but we're okay if we missed a few days. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that. That's kind of cool if you guys want to get one. I found it on Amazon and so you can find it there, but I thought that would be something cool. And then the next thing to kind of move us into the mental mental health stuff, I have a book that I was excited to get and I wanted to share it with you guys. And so it's called You Happier and it's by Dan- Daniel G. Amen or Amen. Might be Amen. He's a psychologist and he's actually on t- TikTok and so I follow him on TikTok and um, or a psychiatrist. And so psychiatrists, usually they are the ones to, they have the power to prescribe medication. So they're like the doctor for the mind versus like a psychologist. They 
are not allowed to do, like prescribe medicine. But, you know, all in all, they do the same thing in my opinion. But the psychiatrist has that power, like right, more in the medical field. And I followed him because I like his approach. Disclaimer, not to say that I'm against medicine or anything. We'll get into more detail. And also disclaimer, everything and all that I ever talk about in my podcast comes from my experiences. Nothing is ever meant to be a fact or medical advice or anything. Take everything lightly and again, it's my experience, what I believe, what makes sense to me and that's that. Okay, <laughs> now that we clear that legal stuff out of the way. Um, but I like his approach because he's not so much just like shoving pills. Um, and he talks about like how our diets also affect our, our minds, our brains. So he talks a lot about that. And he was one of the first to really push like brain scans and start to really dissect how like trauma can actually in a way scar your brain it can like leave a mark if that makes sense you know when you cut yourself and your body like it heals and maybe you have a scar so similar effects to the brain when you go through a traumatic event um or even like a brain injury of course but I liked his approach I follow him and he came out with a book and I was looking for it finally found it and I just started it and I'm really enjoying it so far. And so it's basically like, I don't want to call it a guide, but I think he calls it a guide on how to be happier. And I know there's no like formula, right, to be happy, but he's kind of in going in the right direction. And I liked already, I don't think I've made it even through like chapter two, but I already <clears throat> like what he is trying to say. And I wanted to share something because this is like talked about a lot. And everybody knows, or we'd hope everybody knows, the money can't buy you happiness, or a lot of us believe that it can. And let me talk on this a little bit. Also, I'm not claiming to be rich whatsoever. Absolutely not. But I want to talk about it in the sense when I agree that money does not make you happy. And here's why. I want to say that it helps. <coughs> excuse me <coughs> it helps because money allows you to get things your basic needs but also get certain things like freedom like the freedom to maybe pick up and move or the freedom to book a trip whenever you want and those things can bring you joy um, but back to my point like there are things that I have accomplished in my life or even material stuff that I have now that years ago Jessica of six years ago that in her mind that would have been like oh if I just have x y and z I would have been so happy like that's what I need to be happy and fast forward to having the stuff that I desired back in those times and it's just it really doesn't it does I have proved it to myself with time that that's not the answer to my happiness of course like if you're into like shopping or like the material stuff of course that brings like a little bit of joy that instant like gratification of yay I have something but in the long run that's not the happiness and 
through time I have had to learn I don't know why or where I got this from or and maybe like some of you are the same way I have always seen happiness as like a destination like almost like it's at the top of the hill and so once I get to the top of the hill example once I have the house once I have my dream car once I have the closet of my dreams once I have whatever it is that's the top of the hill right and then that's when I'll be happy and then that's kind of like where life starts and I think and I want to say I've been pretty lucky that life has been pretty smooth sailing for the most part especially in like my younger years of course everybody has you know hard times that they go through or hard things that happen to them and I'm obviously you know I still also have those but it took me a long time to look at life like a roller coaster and actually something that just came to mind is in one of my psychology classes we I don't know why but we were talking about like Buddhism and stuff and they believe to live is to suffer and I thought that was a little bit harsh but I think as I'm growing and I'm just having more life experiences and more things happen to me I have shifted perspective I have shifted I have shifted like my values or what I believe is important to me now and I can understand that I no longer see that as harsh because life really is hard and you do suffer whatever that's a big suffer or a little suffer everybody has their heart and everybody measures it differently <clears throat> but I have just you know grown to <clears throat> believe that a little bit more and when I was reading this money does not make you happy and so he's talking about the, I think he said what the like 12 lies or 11 lies of what makes you happy amongst like alcohol and sweet treats and whatever one of the uh, lies is money makes you happy but listen to this listen to what he had to say he said this is true but only up to 75k a year in the united states then the relationship completely falls off anyone who says money is irrelevant should look at the homeless Anyone who says money buys happiness should look at the suicides of the beautiful, wealthy, and famous. Neither is true. Money can change your circumstances to a certain point. But money does not help much once you have your basic needs met. When, wel when wealthy people were asked what they needed to be a perfect ten in happiness, most said two to ten times more. The need for more makes many people unhappy. Because it can never be fully satisfied. That was like, whoa. Like, I believe money does not make you happy. But I just couldn't put it into words. Or I didn't have like a structure in my mind of why that is. And the fact that he has like a number on there. Money makes you happy in the United States up to 75k a year. So if you make more than that, then the rest is whatever. And I just thought that was very interesting. And I honestly agree. I can see it and through my experiences. And again, money, I mean, happiness is not like a destination. It's a state of mind. It's for a little bit. And without the hard stuff, you can't have the joy. So you kind of have to, you know, go through some of the hard stuff so that you appreciate the joy and the happy moments but I wanted to share that because 
I have been really enjoying this book. Again, I just started it. I'm excited to see what else he has and maybe I'll share a little bit more, but I thought that was something worth sharing because we hear it and even with social media, we see it all the time how money makes you happy and like if you have more, then you're happier. And like he said, like the desire to have more will not make you happy because you will never be satisfied. Blew my mind. Anyways, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know why I have a cough. If I don't feel sick and I think it's <coughs> the end of the day and I've kind of talked the whole day. And so hold on, let me drink water. ASMR. <laughs> okay, social media. I mean, social media, mental health. Mental health is a huge topic in my household, in in me, in in my life. It's a very important topic. And I think we're finally in a society where the newer generations are prioritizing our mental health as well, not just our physical health. And I'm happy that that's the way we're going. But I will say it took me to actually experience mental health illness issues however we want to describe them for me to actually understand it and in a way believe it I know that sounds insane but I'll explain so back in 2016 I believe 16 20 yeah 2016 I I was already so background I was already I had already changed my degree from business to psychology so I had already taken a couple of classes and actually my first classes were like abnormal psychology where you talk about like hard mental illness like schizophrenia and um, multiple personality disorders. So on top of that though, we do have all the other more common ones like your anxiety, depression, and all of that stuff, eating disorders. And so I want to say that I had a good idea of all that could be out there for mental health and also the importance of mental health and so I want to say that because not even with that did I really like take care of my own mental health it actually took for me to experience something for then to be like wait a second like this is how it actually feels like you read about it in textbooks but this is what it actually is and it just kind of like puts you at the front row seat of okay that's not fun and you need to do something about it and so oh okay so to start 2016 I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and um let's see I'm debating if yeah, let's talk about that. I don't think diabetes needs a whole episode. Um, but if you guys want to know more about that, also let me know. And we can do another one. But real quick, I was diagnosed and <clears throat> it all kind of happened kind of fast. My dad has diabetes. So I recognized a lot of the symptoms myself. I went to his house. I checked with blood. If you don't know, you do a finger poke, a finger stick. And you get a little bit of blood and you put it on this little like stick thing that's in a machine. And it tells you a glucose level. Now before this, I had no idea what a normal glucose number was. Uh, for for reference, you don't want to be over 140. On a normal person, your body will not let you go over 140. 
And when I checked it, mine was, I think, in the 300s. Very alarming. Because my dad's diabetic, he was like, that's really high. You need to go to the doctor. Fast forward, I made an appointment. I think I got in like the next day. My doctor was like, come tomorrow morning. And so I did. I went to my appointment and um, they did the exact same thing I did at my dad's house and took a little bit of blood and determined right there, yep, you are diabetic because they can check like three months previously and if your glucose numbers have been high for those three months, then something's going on. And so... It was on a Friday, I remember, because they wanted to get me on insulin right away. I don't know what in the blood determines if you are type 1 or type 2. I know the difference. Um, I know like type 2, you, you can still produce some insulin, but maybe because of your diet and weight issues, um, your pancreas is struggling to keep up. Type 1, your immune system kills your pancreas and you need in insulin you need shots and immediately they wanted to get me on shots insulin shots and so they wanted to check or teach me how to do the shots and all that stuff okay so fast forward they tell me and then they kind of brief me on the treatment and basically it's forever and then they're going to refer me to the endocrinologist which they deal with diabetes and whatnot but Long story, sh long story short, I was, I think, in denial because I'm the type of person that downplays everything. Like, a building could be on fire and I could literally just be like, well, it's not that bad because X, Y, and Z. Like, things, I know, crazy, but I think it's a way that I just protect myself. And so I was like, you know what, it's not that bad, which in some cases I think it's good. And so I was thinking, it's not that bad. Um, there's medicine for it so it's not like I'm gonna die and then once I started to learn more about it and stuff like I think things became a lot more serious than I was thinking or making them out to be because I was downplaying everything and so <clears throat> it was like a long time coming of just a, a breakdown happening um, I think even that weekend I was like no we're fine because I'm going to just be healthier now because I have to do it for myself. Like, you know, downplaying everything and just trying to find the positives. And I think at some point I just got tired of doing that. And I just completely broke down. Like, I, I remember we went out to eat sushi. And when we got home, I just, like, cried my little heart out. It was, I was just done. I was like, I cannot believe this is happening to me and it's forever. And so, where was I going with that? Okay, so... Fast forward to, you know, learning more of kind of the lifestyle that I now have to live and how everything has to shift. And when you have a chronic illness that requires your every every hour, every minute attention, it's very hard. So, for example, if you have, like, I have asthma and... I only need the inhaler when I'm going to exercise or like in the summer and like those dry winter days is when I know my asthma is probably going to act up. But I don't think about it every day because if I feel short of breath, I just grab my inhaler and we're good. <clears throat> well, with diabetes, it's not like you take a pill for the day and you go on about your life. 
and you're good and then you do it again the next day you are your pancreas basically and it depends on what kind of treatment you are and I'm not going to go into detail with the pump or doing your own shots whatever I do my own shots which I do think in a way make it a little bit more like diabetes is constantly on your mind because you have to do everything and so I think that affected me at in that year it was so summer of 2016 and then gradually I was just not being I was not feeling okay not not just physically because that's also another story like when you start putting insulin back in your body you also don't feel very well because your body protected you and made you feel good at these really high numbers and that became your norm and then you're putting insulin and it doesn't make you feel very good so dealing with all of that at least for me, that was my experience. And then realizing how much it gets in your everyday life. Like, I can no longer leave the house without a snack, without emergency sugar, whether that's juice, whether that's candy, whatever. <clears throat> I cannot live the, leave the house without my insulin. Um, especially, like, if we're going out to eat, I have done this, and I cannot tell you how anger I feel when I show up to a a restaurant and I forget my insulin yeah then I still eat but then I pay the consequences um so things like that like you know I started to just really actually see what my life was gonna be and it was hard because at that point I was like it's not a good life like that's this is a lot and I'm doing everything my pancreas is supposed to be doing and I'm doing it for like how am I supposed to do the job of an organ you know a vital organ and it got to the point where those first few months even like a year or so of diabetes you're learning your new body but you have to pay attention to your body as well so having to constantly pay attention to my symptoms really started to get to me and I started to get other symptoms that I thought were associated to diabetes. And so, okay, so for example, if like you have to pay attention to your body because if you have a low glucose, that's very dangerous. So like if you have too much insulin in your body and or you, excuse me, you haven't eaten for a while or whatever and you have insulin in your body, um you can have a low sugar and you know you could pass out and all kinds of scary things can happen and I think having to pay attention to everything going on in my body started to trigger other things and then I was also feeling like I couldn't rely on my body and I was scared maybe something else would go on like something else would be broken like that I would start to feel sick and you know, I, what what other organ is going to fail me, basically. And so I started to really live in that headspace, and it was really hard, and I started to get <clears throat> what I know now are panic attacks. Back then, again, being in school and stuff, I, I could tell you, like, oh, when you have a panic attack, these are the symptoms or whatever. But it's not until you're living in it that it actually is like, whoa, like, that that's a panic attack. And so it actually took... A trip to the emergency room on my birthday too like what the hell but on my birthday we went out to 
dinner actually and I started to get like the symptoms I was start I was like getting recently that would literally paralyze me and like I at some point would have to like pull over if I was driving and just like call somebody I literally thought I was dying like that's how bad it got I did not know what was wrong with me I was like surely something else happened in my body and I'm like this is what it feels like to die and I would get the shakes I would sometimes hyperventilate I sometimes my hands and feet would go numb because of how much I was hyperventilating it was such a scary moment and like the tunnel vision it was so so bad I never passed out but a couple times I I almost felt like that was just it for me like I this is what it feels like to die and it was my birthday's in December so I was diagnosed in the summer so it had been a few months and I think I was just getting worse and worse because I was in my head all the time and it literally took a nice dinner with my family I don't know what triggered it but they came out of nowhere that was the worst part they would come out of nowhere like nothing could trigger I could be in the most peaceful place like watching a movie or and for some reason I would get a panic attack anyways I was at my birthday dinner and same thing I felt like I was gonna die and first things first I checked my sugar my glucose level um so that just to make sure you know I wasn't gonna have a low sugar maybe I needed a snack or sugar whatever and every single time my sugar was fine so I was like so it's not bad and so then that would trigger something else like the next level of panic because I was now thinking well another organ or my body is trying to tell me something and so I think I had already had a doctor's appointment and I like explained a little bit of this and honestly I almost want to say I just it was dismissed like oh it's probably just from everything you know and I think I actually did have my general doctor I love her (laughs) but I I do think she actually mentioned like do you think it's anxiety I was like no 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 like physically my body is like I'm dying and at the time I didn't know how anxiety could manifest so physically so it took an ER trip to on my birthday it took an ER trip for me to really consider okay maybe it's anxiety and I felt so dumb after because in the moment I was dying and I was telling the doctor something's going on like I'm, 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 I'm dying like I, I felt like I had to say goodbye to all my family members and the doctor was like it's just a panic attack and he gave me something I couldn't tell you what it was but it was just kind of to like calm you and he gave me like another pill or two for like if it happened again and sent me home and so this is where I start to experience all the mental health stuff right like I'm like okay well maybe it is anxiety and panic disorder and then I experienced like the effects of being under like an anxiety medication but it was more to like calm you so it wasn't like your treatment of everyday anxiety pill it was more to kind of sedate you and just like calm you and I didn't like that feeling I was fully awake like I walked myself to the car 
and we have like a 30 40 minute drive you know to where we live and I don't remember most of the drive but I'm awake and I also couldn't tell you really what I did when I came home like I just remember the next day I woke up and I almost felt hungover worst feeling ever like I had to just like stop and think and even ask my husband like wait what time did we leave the hospital or wait did you did I walk to the car because everything was just kind of blurry hated the feeling I was like never again do I want to feel that and I honestly threw the pills away I was like I'm gonna deal with this by myself because that the pills side effects or whatever were terrifying and so then I started to do a little bit more of work with myself there's one thing to read like symptoms and what anxiety may feel like or look like but until you go through it there's a whole new level of understanding and then it can manifest differently for everybody and so it was becoming very physical to me it was becoming like almost like a panic disorder because they would come out of nowhere I I had one I think too in like one of my classes and I had to like step to the hall out in the hallway and call myself but here's the thing once I knew what it was and I started to reach out for help I think that's when I was like okay I can really I can handle this I can get a hold of this and I I was no stranger to therapy by then um and I was like I need to get myself to therapy and sort things out and learn and figure it out and I did that I talked to somebody and I was like this is what's been happening and they basically confirmed like yeah sounds like you know anxiety and then I was specifically also at that time dealing with illness anxiety so it like came from being afraid of other illnesses or you know something else happening and so I did lots of therapy for like a year I actually felt um better I was controlling like the panic attacks a lot better but they weren't going away if that makes sense and I was honestly getting tired of like this therapist just basically telling me just you know box breathing if you've been to therapy if you've heard of box breathing you know what I'm talking about where you like hold it for a certain amount of time and then you let it um you hold it you breathe in, you hold it, and then you let it go for double the amount of time or whatever. And I was like, that doesn't work because it almost made my panic attacks worse. And so I finally changed therapists because I was just like, it's to the point where we're just not, it's, we're not understanding each other and I'm not getting better. Um, I would do research myself, like holistic approach, things that could help anxiety. And you know, you hear all about like your diet or like lavender oil I thought my panics are too strong for lavender oil to handle them and so I just I kept looking for another therapist found another one this one I liked for a little bit because she actually dug deeper than and past diabetes like it wasn't she didn't settle as to that's the reason like your diabetes I know it that's where it started but she actually dug a little deeper into like you know, when you were younger or any past trauma and stuff like that, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I, I felt like I, I learned some stuff, but, um, this didn't last long because like I was having a good day finally. And she literally was like 15 minutes in 
Um, okay, well, I think you're great, so I'm going to close your case. You know, I think you have progressed so well. And I literally felt like she just kicked me out the door, like, see you later. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and I found a different one, and I have been working with her for a while now, and I also liked her approach, and it's just... I don't want to say like, oh, therapy has cured me because I do think time also heals. I'm talking about back in 2016 and, you know, seeing therapists throughout the years because I still have a therapist now. And so it took a long time, but I think also time helped to prove and show me like you're not going to die and you you have a plan if you have a little sugar um, you know what it feels like, like your other organs are working fine. So I think also time helped because time has proven to me my other organs are fine. Nothing else is dying like I thought. And I think that helped. But also I've learned a lot about myself. I have learned a lot of techniques that have helped me. And I know techniques that don't help me. And so and the new therapist gave me new tools um, something also that this is when I knew she was like a right therapist for me because she didn't just suggest, oh, just breathe, like take deep breaths. She talks to me in a way that I understand it and I'm, I need the logic and like almost evidence supported details behind everything that I learn. And she does that. She's like, you know, in a study of, you know, Harvard University, like, whatever she cites her resources and it just makes sense why it works you know and one thing she said about the breathing was it's almost like a skill you need to perfect beforehand so that when you do get a panic attack your brain can connect oh we do this and we feel calm and so when you enter in panic your brain is giving that message it's like oh remember that breathing that makes us feel calm whereas if you do the breathing when you're having panic and you don't do it any other time, your brain is just like associating that with, you know, you're, you just breathe when you feel panicked. Um, also, I think like the way she describes how to do it and stuff like a scratchy like noise in the back of your throat because then, you know, you're activating the amygdala and your brain is kind of like snapping you out of it, calming the nervous system down, your flight fight response. I think that too, I never, nobody had ever told me that, you know, like have that like sound come out of the back of your throat. And I think it's something to do with the, what's it called, the vagal nerve, the something like that. But one thing she had me do is, the, our first ever exercise was every time you drive to work and I had like a 30 minute commute and another 30 minutes coming home. So an hour total, she said, I want you to do at least for five minutes your deep breathing and Buddha belly. So you want to have a nice deep breath and then have that scratchy no noise come from the back of your throat and do that when you are driving because you know you're calm. You sometimes might listen to music and you're feeling good, right? And so I started to do that and then just like she said, next time I felt anxious or I had some sort of panic, and I wasn't getting the panic attacks as bad anymore, but next time that happened, I was like, let me, you know, center myself, 
get these breaths going and then they almost felt different like I wasn't just breathing because sometimes I felt like the breathings would like make me even lightheaded lightheaded and so it was making the panic worse and the way you know she had me practice beforehand before the chaos I think really changed it for me and I'm a strong believer of taking a second to really take a deep breath but I think it works if you practice beforehand like if you train your brain beforehand um what else so that's been my experience kind of with my mental health you know having really bad anxiety it got to the point and I haven't gone into like detail detail but I mean I got to the point where number one I would cry every day um my quality of life was trash I quit my job because it was too much I was dealing with a new um diagnosis and my boss at the time was just not very understanding and it almost felt like I was fighting to keep my job because I was having all these appointments and she at some point was like so what's going on like we're what what doctors and you know that's private information and no one should ever ask you that at your workplace mind your business and it got to the point where I was like you know what like I was just diagnosed with diabetes and I'm trying to figure it out and it was like so bad we already had a horrible relationship and I just I was like I can't do this like I I have to quit and figure it out like I have to take care of myself because I don't want to say that it was to the point where you know I was like what's what's the point of living because I did not feel that at all but I was getting to the point where every day was just dark and heavy for me and I was like I need to I need to just I need to regroup and I I left my job I was jobless for like four months and that's when I started therapy actually because I was like I just don't know how to help myself I don't know how to do this and I didn't want to just jump on the pills right away and and then I finally got like another job after four months and um you know, just kind of slowly started to get back into myself and the new normal for me and whatnot. And I wasn't having that many, that many panic attacks, but it did take me a while. I, I want to say it took me like a good four or five months of just actual hell of panic attacks. Like I have never felt, I, I would always say I would rather feel pain then go through a panic attack it was the worst feeling in the world and then just the fact that you're not independent anymore like I couldn't go to the grocery store anymore that took about I'm gonna I don't want to be dramatic but I think it took close to a year for me to go to the grocery store without having a panic attack that like my quality of life was declining so bad and so fast and I couldn't do every and I've been such an independent person as long as I can remember, like, 15, 16 years old, like, I've just been very independent. I would drive myself to Denver because I would do my acting classes and stuff like that over there. It got to the point where I couldn't do that anymore. Like, I made it to Frisco one time. If you are from the area, you know how far that is um, from the town. But I just, I couldn't make it. I was like, I I have a panic attack like I have to turn around and it was so bad like I could not do anything by myself anymore and it took a while for me to go back to the grocery stores by myself um 
you know, go to my classes. It's just, it just kind of everything shifted for me. I've always never worried really about being by myself. I've worried the normal of, you know, there's creeps and crazy people out there. But even now, I still worry to a crazier level than before because I just, you know, I just, I just have, I'm a more anxious person. And the way I've actually described it to my therapist is like I had the rose colored lenses and they were like slapped off my face. And now I'm like, wait, there's actual real shit that goes on and it's affected me and it's not fun. But I think working with the therapist and just myself, like I was reading a lot of stuff and again I always find the answer I'm always seeking for the evidence and I think once I could tie also that these symptoms are to the panic and anxiety and not like diabetes or another organ failing I think that also helped me control and calm the panic attacks now and so I haven't had like a a panic attack like that in three years two three years yeah about three years and it's been close where I'm like starting to feel it creep up and I'm like wait a second and I have managed to not spiral and like take control of my nervous system and just calm it down shut it down and that's helped that you know that's that's what I've done and that's you know how I've dealt with it and now fast forward to once you're getting a handle of your mental health and you know and whatnot and and not just because of like going to school and learning about mental health but because I've gone through stuff that you know firsthand I've experienced certain things I have made mental health like a priority I always and because I've worked with therapists I've paid attention to how I feel and find correlations of like maybe you know what triggers certain things and I've been I think pretty good at controlling some of that stuff and taking care of myself I have never been one to really be like let me take a mental health day and I do that now even with work and I'm so blessed to work for a company that they actually believe in that kind of stuff too they actually have mental health days we have one coming up soon and we get the day off and we come back and we talk about what we did for ourselves. And so that's exciting. But I have put mental health as like a top priority. And I understand it's really hard when you go through something really hard because you do feel defeated. And so I want to fast forward to like recently having a baby. You know, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression very much happen. And I don't think it was until, like, having him that I really, like, I hit another, like, mental health challenge. And this one, I think, was postpartum. I, I say postpartum depression because I feel a lot better now and I'm not in that headspace. But at the same time, if you've heard my other episodes, I talk about how he was born with a limb difference. So... I understand there's a lot going on in your body as far as your hormones and all the changes that you went through but I really truly believe that us in the shock of finding out the way we did about his difference 
really, really tested and challenged the heck out of me. I am talking about, like, I was just, rock bottom I don't think is even, I think I was further deeper than that, if that even is a possibility. And it was really hard. Some days are still very hard, but I think, again, I like, I want to mention that because I talk about having all these tools in my tool belt and I, I couldn't do any of them. I couldn't do any of them except get myself to therapy, but I just, I couldn't get myself to think positive, um, do my breathing to calm my nervous system. I couldn't do the we call it tapping my therapist also talked or taught me about um there's like a word for it I don't remember but ER something or it's you basically tap so the way we do it is I tap on opposite shoulders with my hands and that's like communicating your left and right side of your brain and something she's also said to me, and I love this, is you can't get your yourself out of a bad thought with another thought. So you have to physically get yourself out of that. And so I couldn't even do that. Like when I was spiraling into all this negative doom of what life would be like for me and my family, I just... I couldn't even get myself, you know, I know, I knew that that was a tool, like, get yourself out of your head, do your tapping, or, you know, whatever, do an activity with your hands, and I just couldn't, and it was honestly, like, the hardest, darkest time that I've ever had to go through. Okay, so it's actually the next, excuse me, the next day, um, I'm trying to figure out kind of where I left off and how I want to proceed with the topic. But so I guess like the last huge, I don't know what I want to call it because I feel like you can go through mental health stuff or, you know, like life is going to happen and it's going to challenge you that way. But the last challenge I got thrown has really just kind of tested my strength really overall so I guess where where I'm going at or what I want to get out of this is like my perspective and my point of view on how I saw things and what helped me kind of get out of that dark tunnel um one thing I would describe like the way I was feeling was that it just felt like, you know how they say like there's the light at the end of the tunnel? For me, it almost felt like there was just like no tunnel. Like I couldn't even see the tunnel, if that makes sense. But so, you know, without getting into like details and whatnot, we all go through hard stuff. And I recently, I think, experienced one of like the worst, hardest, darkest times of my life. And... One thing I have made note of or that I like realized or noticed was our default thing is to tell people like everything's going to be okay or um, 
you'll you'll be okay or things happen for a reason or stay positive and those are great things in general right like they're good things to say but they are not helpful things to say because in that moment because like you don't see like the positive you know if you are going through something really hard you don't see like the positive that everybody is saying um everything's gonna be okay because in your world in your mind in that time everything has already fallen apart nothing will be okay and nothing can fix anything is kind of at least from my experience what I was going through and so one thing I made an observation about like thinking back on you know how I got better or how I kept going or you know what made my days a little lighter uh, I just think having a good support system and what I mean by that is not just having like the one person that you can go talk to so for example in relation to like what I was going through a lot of it had to do with accepting like a new norm for me a new life that I never imagined and that also involves like my husband right like he also had to deal with his own stuff and like you know we have very different reactions and we both deal with things very differently and he is initially always my go-to person but also I feel like a lot of what I was carrying was so heavy that I didn't want him to also have to carry my stuff as well and although he was like my main person I also gave myself a limit and like and we both agreed you know like on how much I can dump on him because essentially he's also dealing with his you know other half of whatever I can't speak to like what he was feeling or how he dealt with it or you know but in this situation like we had to have like a limit you know like you know like I'm also having a bad day and so you know I just I you don't have much to give today or whatever that sounds like and so knowing that that's okay and having other people to talk to you know at some point I like called my dad I called my sister one day and I'm talking about like the moments where like you really need to vent or for example for myself I always like speak up and voice if I'm feeling certain ways or if things are getting to a point where I feel like I may not have you know certain control over certain emotions or I feel paralyzed with fear or sadness whatever that looks like I know with myself to before I snowball snowball to reach out to whoever I need to reach out and having my therapist also at that time I was doing one session every week so having that set up always felt like a good like background support Um, Because there was always that to look forward to in the week where I can dissect stuff or I can, you know, work through some of the stuff. But, you know, in your everyday life, having a good support system with the people that surround you, I think is super, super important. 
um, also having something within yourself. So I was starting to do little things like get ready. It, I'm talking about, you know, when you have a new baby, everything's already hard and you barely have time. So I'm talking about if I could get my hair done and whether that was a, a low bun, a I could straighten it, I could curl it a little bit, whatever it was, like just carve out some time for myself where I could feel like a human being again I think was you know small things that I was moving towards I would sometimes do these things in tears like it's never gonna look pretty and it's never as easy as it sounds right like I'm sure if you're going through something really hard right and I'm talking about like just get up and do your hair you're like that sounds so silly and dumb but I'm talking about do the things that make you feel good about yourself. And for me, and I've talked about this, if I look good, I feel good. It makes me feel productive, you know, getting out of my PJs. It doesn't have to be a fancy outfit, but just getting out of the PJs, you know, was a step for me. Um, What else? So little things like that I started to do. And some days they were not easy. And I would, some days I could push through and like, like I said, do some of that stuff even through tears. But then there were other days where I just, I couldn't do any of that. And I, what I want to say to that is allow yourself to have that down day. Always again, have your support system because you always want to keep yourself safe and you know, all that stuff. But allow yourself to have that bad day. And for me, that meant if I had to be on PJs, in my PJs all day, I was not gonna talk down myself about, like, so for example, I get down on myself, I'm like, oh, it's already like 2 p.m. and I haven't gotten ready, or my morning is gone and I didn't get a chance to do this and that, and so I had to stop and say today is a down day for me, and I'm gonna take it fully, and today means we're doing pajamas, then we're doing pajamas, and that's okay, so switch it up and you know wear your comfy socks or your favorite robe whatever it is to kind of almost like hype up that it's pajama day that helped as well um so like allowing yourself and supporting yourself to go through the waves is i think key at least it was for me and then time really does heal a lot and so allowing time to also help and and be there for you as weird as that sounds helped so that meant riding the waves and literally taking it not even day by day almost hour by hour it felt like for me a lot of things I did too was and this is hard when you have a baby and you're going through like so much yourself and then physically your world has changed and all of that stuff but carve out some time to like watch watching a show became like a special thing for us and even if I just watched it by myself and you know my husband took over and watched the baby for the hour whatever and then I would also get a treat this was also hard because then I have diabetes and a lot of my treats are like chocolate and sugary stuff but Again, I allowed myself to have the days where we're giving and we're taking. So if I was going to have the chocolate covered strawberries that I love so much, I 
you know, would tell myself, it's going to be like a bad diabetes day or whatever. But this is what I need just to feel sane for the day or whatever that is. So giving and taking was really key for me. I call it balance, you know, having that balance in life. I obviously wasn't going to, you know, have bad glucose levels every single day for a month, two months, because I know that's essentially not good for my body and my health in in the long run. But I was allowing myself to do some of those things in the days that I just, I really needed that. And so I mentioned, you know, when you tell people everything's going to be okay and everything's all right, stay positive. Or one thing I also got, and not to like, you know, discredit them saying any of this or saying like that that was wrong for them to say, but I would get comments that, you were the chosen one because God knows you're strong enough to handle this and more. Or um, God gave his toughest battles to his toughest soldiers. So things like that. I Like now where I'm in a better place, my headspace is better. I feel stronger emotionally, mentally. I understand what they're saying with that and I understand the intent But when you're going through that, it almost discredits the way you're feeling. Like, almost like, well, listen, yeah, this is all a shit show, but you're so strong. Like, you shouldn't feel like that because you're so strong and you were the chosen one. And I actually had a conversation with a mom I met on Instagram kind of about that. And we both were dealing with some of the stuff, like both of our children born with limb difference. And she actually mentioned the exact same thing. Like if one more person tells me I am the strongest soldier, like I will lose it. And then that got me thinking like, why do we say that? Like that's, yeah, you're right. Why, why is that a thing? Why is that something that we have to point out and we think that's going to make somebody's troubles not disappear, but maybe even feel smaller. And so one thing I want to say to that and to everything we tell people because I've done it myself like hey everything's gonna be okay because when you're an outsider you do see things in a more positive light and you do see the light of the at the end of the tunnel for that person and you know things are gonna be okay and it just takes time but for the person actually going through the storm I was thinking what could we say in that moment where they feel supported, they don't feel dismissed, and they feel heard. Mo- I, like, I think that's the most important thing, feeling heard. Because we already know the person going through it that the other person can only imagine, right? Unless they're going through it, you're not going to relate in that level. But just to feel heard makes a world of a difference. I know it did for me. And just discard all the other stuff of like, but look at how this and this is going. But look how good you have it here. Because that's not what we care in the moment. And so some things that I thought about that I think are better things to say to somebody that's going through a shitstorm and that I think will make them feel supported because I know it did for me. But something like, 
acknowledging and just being straightforward I think we're scared to just admit like yeah this is a shit show like this is awful what happened or what is happening to you is so bad I think we're scared to to do that I think we're scared to acknowledge like yeah this is not fun so if you could say something and again this is from my experience so at least if you were to say something to me I would like something along the lines of what you're going through is so hard and I can only imagine, right? Because that that's it. Like we can only imagine what somebody else is going through. And I am here for you. You can call me. We can text. We can go out for fresh air. So giving suggestions like that to where the person knows oh okay we're all on the same page we all are we all know how shitty this is and then you feel supported because they've acknowledged that and then they're showing up and suggesting things you know hey like i'm here if you want to do x y and z also in my opinion because it doesn't work for me like if people tell me what to do i just not my personality but avoid things like go for a walk that will make you feel better or um go exercise exercise is good for you yes those those things are good and helpful but i think the wording and the phrasing of it can also be changed to hey i'm here for you if you want to go for a walk um almost like an invitation to hey I'm available at four. Do you want to go for a walk? Or even if it's, I was doing a lot of ice cream dates. So like getting ice cream helped for me too. Cause you get out of the house, you enjoy a treat. Um, you get out of your headspace a little bit. So doing that, like taking that initiative to almost be like, this is an invite. I want to do this with you. I think helps. Um, what was the other thing that I had? Um, asking what you need. We, and both ways. So like with my support system and like my husband, I would say things like, I just need X, Y, and Z, at least for today or during this time, I need this from you or whatever and then vice versa he would ask me what could I do to help um also having a system in place uh with like for example especially if it's your your partner you guys know each other and you know each other to the point where you could see if something is off or you know you're having a bad day and they just know that without you saying and so making sure we understood Number one, like your triggers. Number two, like the signs of maybe you're just not having a good day. Instead of just, hey, are you okay? Hey, how are you? Because a lot of the times, and I'm guilty of it, just so that we avoid any type of, you know, confronting of our emotions. We It's easy to say, hey, I'm fine. Thanks. And so on a good day, on a day where everything is kind of at bay, kind of go through some of that stuff. Like, you know... I'm having a bad day when this and this, you know, happens or 
when I start to do these things or when I'm snippy or when you notice I'm just I'm getting upset about laundry little things like that that you shouldn't be upset about that's when we kind of take a pause and say okay like something else is happening because why are you crying over laundry or little things like that and so learning each other's cues and you know understanding that there are signs especially again when you have your partner and you live with each other it's easy to kind of learn those and then not being scared to ask what you want that's been a hard thing for me because I feel like when I'm asking what I want or what I need it's almost like it's not as valuable anymore so if I'm asking if I'm you know voicing hey I need you to do this and the person does it it just doesn't feel as valuable to me versus like if they just read my mind and knew that I needed that to be done and then they do that and then that has value you know and that takes time for them to learn and understand that maybe hey I did that last time and that made them feel good so I'm gonna do it again and also we just can't read each other's minds so asking if you're going through something ask ask for what you need voice what you're feeling and don't be scared to be direct and to acknowledge and live live through the emotions and I didn't learn this overnight and I think this experience and going through some of the darkest days one thing my therapist said was you gotta allow and you gotta tune into that emotion just for a bit so that you tell your body your brain hey I hear you thank you you sit with it for a few minutes and then your brain will respond oh hey she got our signal and you know some of the signals may be when you are wanting to cry or you're angry or whatever sit with that emotion for a second you don't want to sit with it every single day right because then you're just gonna just be swimming in the depression for a while so understanding the physical parts of it I think also helped me and like I said like my therapist would have me sit with the emotion to tune in she would tell me to crank it up and like feel that and so just so you have some context and you understand kind of what I'm trying to say is with this exercise for example the days that I would get that like gut-wrenching sadness type of feeling for me and everybody's different but I would feel it kind of in like the pit of my stomach sometimes in my chest sometimes in like my hands where I wanted to just like make a fist and you focus on that because your brain and and your body and you know mental physical health is it correlates a lot and those feelings and your heart racing and your palms are sweating or even like crying that's your brain telling you hey something's going on and it's trying to get your attention by doing this these things to your physical body and having her guide me through that has allowed me for myself to tune in if it's appropriate and I feel like I can handle that tune into those emotions clear them out as she would say and then my brain was like okay she got the signal so we're gonna stop sending the signal doesn't happen overnight it has been months of doing this and I do it less frequently so I'm telling my body, hey, I'm, I'm listening. And so it's having to send me these signals 
less and less. I hope that made sense because when my therapist talks me through that kind of stuff, like it just makes absolutely like, yeah, duh. Like, you know, your, your body's always trying to tell you something and emotions are because you can like physically see them and they're not like a, a thing we can hold. We think they're not as important or they're just not there. Like, oh, it's just a feeling. But they are, you know, they are trying to tell you something. They manifest in your body in some way. And I learned that the hard way because I would, I was so scared to tune into those deep, sad moments. And I would try to avoid them at all costs. So I was ignoring my brain and just like, nope, nope, I'm not going to get sad today. I'm not going to cry today. So then the next day, my brain would crank it up a little bit more and make it a harder day for me where I was like, on the verge of tears still fighting the tears and the next day my body would be like she's not listening we gotta crank it up and that's where you have these like meltdowns breakdowns and my therapist really helped me just say hey listen I know it sucks and it hurts crank it up and something she said too was like imagine like imagine the feeling as like a burning thing you know, so if it's, the baby's crying, <laughs> one second, where was I? Okay, so, yeah, she would say, imagine it like it's like a flame, or, you know, what whatever you gotta imagine into, place it in your body physically, like, where, <laughs> where do you feel this emotion, and kind of clear it out that way, and you clear it out by focusing on it, really letting the motions just kind of take over, but also doing like the deep breathe, breathing so that your nervous system gets a signal, you calm down, and you know, in hindsight, you just like go on about your day. But those are some of the things I kind of wanted to touch base on mental health. I feel like I could go on forever because there's so many other things in between, you know, between the lines. And we are already at an hour, but yeah, just... To sum up, you know, from my experience and the things that I have had to go through that have been new for me, and I want to say I've been very lucky where I've never experienced depression and things like that, and, you know, recently life gets hard and things happen, and you just have to go through it and learn how to handle life's punches because I'm sure there's gonna be more out there that's gonna challenge us but having the tools in the support system I think is the best thing we can do to help ourselves and not to discredit actually let's talk about this real quick the whole like trying to get medication for it I'm not against it I at some point was about to the healthcare system that's a whole other beast to talk about but they just kind of made it really hard for me because they wanted me to have like a referral from somebody else and so it was just getting to the point where it was going to become a project to get an appointment with a doctor get the referral and then go to somebody that can prescribe them and I didn't feel like I was at the point where that was something I just needed to put the time and effort to do I felt safe enough and I felt strong enough I guess to continue with my therapy my psychotherapy and and handle it that way but also understanding like and with my therapist too like you know if she's like yo I think we need to do it then we do it 
And so having that support system and being open about kind of what the plan is, right? Always have a plan um, when it comes to your mental health if it gets to the point where, you know, you feel like there's you just got nothing in you anymore. But yeah, I think that's kind of everything I wanted to touch on. I want to say if you are going through something, whatever it is, also we can't ever compare because everybody has their own heart and we all measure it differently. So whatever that is, I just want you to know that you have support system a, a lot more than what we actually think. And all it takes is for us to reach out. If you reach out to the wrong people, don't get discouraged. There are other people out there that are willing to listen and be the support that you need. Feel free to send me a message. I think social media is such a great place where people can connect and relate in that way. And again, I have found support that way, which I never thought, you know, like get support from strangers, but it's helped. So don't be afraid to just send messages. Um, I'm always available. I love to just, you know, feel like I can help somebody and have a plan. Don't be scared to be direct about what you're feeling. And if you ignore it, sometimes it's worse. So have a good support system. Have the right people to guide you and try whatever you need to to make your days a little lighter. And if that means having ice cream for a week straight, go for it. You know, like give yourself a little grace and allow yourself to have a bad day and say today was a bad day or today you know I don't have it in me it's gonna be a bad day it's gonna be a mediocre day and we're rolling with it and we're okay with that so that's kind of where I'm coming from I hope you found this helpful and yeah like let me know what you guys thought of today's episode let me know if you want to know a little bit more about mental health um Kind of the things I do, like you have to do almost like maintenance, I call it, to keep up with your mental health. Kind of like your physical body, body, right? Like you, you might take vitamins, you drink your water, you go to the gym. We kind of have to do certain things for our mental health as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope I was somewhat of a good way for you to maybe want to open up and get help or know that you're not fighting anything alone a lot of the times we think we're an outcast but we're not everybody is going through something we are all just too afraid to voice it and or share it so don't be afraid to reach out and let's just let's just be humans together right i feel like we just have to have these perfect lives and that's unrealistic and it's never going to happen so let's ride the waves together and let's be supportive and that's all I have to say I guess I'm just rambling at this point but yeah um have a good day night morning whatever time it is that you are listening to this I hope you enjoy that little baby yawn I am gonna head out um baby wants to play now Or do you want to sleep? Which one? But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed. 
and you got something out of this if you want to know more <laughs> yeah i wish you could see this he's actually leaning towards the microphone <laughs> um if you guys want to know more about mental health or if you just even want to say something about today's episode go to the podcast um instagram no thank you baby <laughs> dear underscore podcast and you can send messages there and okay i'm gonna leave now because the baby wants to grab the microphone you want to say something say bye thanks for bye. listening bye bye hey. <laughs> see you on the next one bye